a woman accepted an invitation of one of her coworkers to attend a women's event at a local venue. And after a lot of persistence, she went to the, this thing that her coworker wanted her to go to, and she heard the gospel message. At the end of the message, she was one of the first people to run up to the front of the church when the person preaching gave the invitation to accept Christ. She had a powerful change in her life at that altar. She left behind the bar scene, the single scene, and was even delivered from drinking. She went and found a church in her neighborhood. It was a Pentecostal church, and she was doing well in her walk with God. The, the brethren there just embraced her and helped her and um, helped mature her in her walk for Christ. Then tragedy struck. Her per parents were killed in a car accident. Obviously, this was a very, very trying time for her, and she, all of her relatives came into town, and during the wake and reception afterwards, many of her relatives were drinking, and she had given that up for Jesus, but you know they kept pushing it in her face, and she was distraught and just an emotional wreck of having to deal with everything with her parents now, and so she finally relented and, and had a, a couple drinks. Well, doing that again kind of got her into accepting drinking as a habit, and she tried to hide it for a while because she knew her that her church had rules against that. So she kind of did it in secret, and she struggled to give it up, but it was becoming very obvious to people that she was drinking again. And she came home once, one um, day from work, and she saw a letter from her church, and she was kind of excited about that. And she opened up the letter, and she found out that her membership had been revoked for her worldliness. I hope that would never happen in a church, but often it does. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 this morning. And in it, we're going to see what our big idea is going to be for today. We have a vision and a mission statement that has in it talking about loving each other. It's knowing God, loving each other, and serving our community. But how does that look practically in regards of how we express that love as we grow and mature in our relationship with God? And that brings us to Galatians 5, verse 2. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated for Christ, and you have fallen away from grace. Father God, we just pray, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Let it judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts and make us more like Jesus today. In your name, amen. As I was studying for this message today, I realized that sometimes churches can place unrealistic expectations on people. And we come from a proud holiness background. The Pentecostal church has always been a holiness church, a church that preaches intimacy with God through obedience to his word. But sometimes we can place unrealistic expectations on people, like we are the judge and the jury waiting to pounce upon us a person that has a, a time of stumbling. 
And we are guilty sometimes of something called the tyranny of unmet expectations. And tyranny is defined as forced obedience to an unmerciful expectations, usually at the hands of an unjust person. But our God is not a tyrant. Our God is not some dictator looking to throw a lightning bolt our way every time we stumble or mess up. That's Satan's title, and that's his role in this grand scheme of things. You see, Satan's the one that wants to put us back in chains. Satan's the one that wants us to um, have a miserable existence with God. He wants to do everything he can to make the gospel message unattractive and to make Christians especially very unattractive to the world. And what this all means is, is that if uh, people often have issues. I don't know if you know that. People have issues. People have struggles. People, we don't even know the conflict that exists within each one of us because of sometimes of the mass that we put on when we walk into church. And often these struggles, I found, are manifested in putting expectations on others that they themselves can't fulfill to make themselves feel better. So they externalize this whole thing and put it on somebody else. That's why Jesus said, don't even try to take the speck from your brother's eye until you take care of the plank from your own because you know what? It's both wood. And it's usually the things that bug you about other people are things that you struggle with yourself. It's people that they want to say, like, I can't do it, and I'm miserable, so I want to make sure you're miserable with me. I'm going to kind of just spread that around a little bit. And I'm thinking, I know that many of you are thinking, but Pastor John, you know, what about holiness? The Bible says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And to that I say, amen. I mean, shouldn't we expect holiness from one another? But what is holiness? Holiness is about the nature of God and the image of God within us. Holiness is about wholly projecting the image of God to this world through our lives. And it can't be just found in a moral checklist. Holiness is about how clean the lenses are on your spiritual lighthouse. Let me give you an example here. I brought a flashlight with me that was given to me by North Lake County EMS Association way back when. And... Right now, you can still kind of see that there's a light there, right? See, that's what sin does in our life and our witness to Jesus. Holiness is about getting this out of the way so people can adequately see the light that is within you. That's what holiness is. It's not about just checking off a checklist of saying, okay, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I'm not doing that. And it's not about a bunch of negatives that we don't do. It's about who he is is in our lives. And if these lenses are kept clean and spotless through confession, through humbling yourselves before your God, that's how we're going to project that image of God to people. And that's really what true holiness is. Surrendering to God and showing his love, his character, and his grace to this world. And many churches have been guilty of demanding external holiness while forgetting that we are to be both obedient and submissive. Now, obedience deals with action. That's external holiness. That's somebody saying, I'm going to obey the rule even when I hate the rule. It's like some of the rules that we have at work. You, you don't agree with the rule, so you, you kind of have to follow it because other eyes are going to fire you. So you grudgingly obey this rule that's really, really, really stupid in your mind. 
But you know what? When the boss isn't looking, yeah, you're going to break that rule once in a while, aren't you? You're going you're, you're gonna to say, yeah, the boss ain't around. He's on vacation. I can get away with it this week. See, that's, that's, not, that's not holiness. That's just simply obedience. It creates in our hearts an image of God as being cruel or being a tyrant that just wants us to shackle us into chains of morality or else. God just doesn't want just obedience. He wants submission because submission deals with the heart. And that is true godliness. Submission says, I may not understand the reason for this rule. But because I love and, I most, imp- and most importantly, I trust the person making the rule, I will submit out of love to that person. People who are simply obedient will eventually break that rule. But people who are submitted would never want to hurt the person that they're in love with. So breaking that rule is the last thing on their mind. That is the kind of heart that God is looking for. It's the kind of heart that Tammy and I have in our relationship. If we're sitting there watching TV and I'm doing this with my flashlight, yeah, you can see her back there already grimacing. I love now Tammy could just say, dang it, you should just do what I want you to do, and I'm gonna keep going. Click, 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 click. But because I love her, I say, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't realize I was doing it. I know that bothers you. Let me put that down. That's submission. Because I love, yeah. Whatever little noise I can make, opening my knife and closing it, whatever little noise I can make, you know, it, it, she just t- tunes in on that. But because I'm submissive to my wife, and I'm, I'm not talking about husband, wife, husband's supposed to be over the wife, but I'm talking about a heart that wants to um, love my wife, and I can be submissive to her desire at that point. That's the kind of thing that God is looking for. And in the scripture here, Paul uses circumcision as an example. To the Jew, circumcision was physical evidence that they were living under the Abrahamic covenant. It was saying, God is going to bless you simply for being an Israelite and simply being circumcised as a way of showing that you are under covenant. But what they didn't realize is that why God blessed Abraham. They thought it was just simply removing of a, a small piece of skin from the body. That, that wasn't the case. Abraham was blessed because it says that Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. You can read that in Genesis 15. Uh, chapter 15, the whole um, covenant with God or between God and Abraham. And the basis of that covenant was faith, not law. It wasn't about the circumcision. It was about Abraham believing God and having faith in God. And it's that same faith is what allows us to live under the same covenant through our belief in Jesus Christ as a son of God who came to this earth, who lived the perfect life in regards to the Old Testament law, who died for the sins of those who would believe in him and make him Lord and Savior in their lives. And not only that, then he rose again to prove that all the wrath of God was poured out. You know, that's what the resurrection of Jesus tells us. The wrath of God for those who believe, who those who become the elect of God, the wrath of God is gone. It is gone in your life if you continue to follow him. And that's why 
Paul says in verse 6 of Galatians 5 here, that if you are in Christ Jesus, circumcision or obedience to the law means nothing toward making you pleasing in God's sight. And then if you look at the second part of verse 6, only your faith expressing itself through agape love blesses God. Nothing else matters but faith expressing itself through love. So how do we avoid the trap as members of this family of believers and putting unrealistic expectations on our brothers and sisters? And that's at realizing that Christ has called us to be free. Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom as an in, to indulge the sinful behavior. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's define what freedom means here first. The world will try to tell us what freedom is. But from the Bible's perspective, we were slaves before we got saved. Before we bent a knee to Jesus Christ, before we surrendered our lives to him and made him the Lord and Savior of our lives, we were slaves to sin. If you don't believe me, look in Romans 6, where Paul repeatedly describes a condition of the unsaved, that they are slaves to their passions, they're slaves to sin. Their fallen nature has complete and utter control over them. They can't help but sin. You know that sinners can't help but sin. And what the world calls freedom, whether it be reproductive freedom or sexual freedom or marriage equality or any of these other things that they're trying to promote under the, the um, banner of freedom, is very, very deceptive to the unregenerate mind because it all has very evil and it all has very destructive intent because the natural end of it is really slapping a shackle on their, a spiritual shackle on their ankle that will eventually drag them to hell. It will bring them to spiritual death. But the freedom that Jesus gives us is a destruction of those desires. It's about the restoration of the image of God within each one of us. That image was damaged irrevocably by the fall of man. That's why Jesus said, you have to be born again. Because that image was completely damaged, completely wiped out, completely corrupted in you and everybody who will come from you. That image is gone. That's why you have to be born again. Because flesh cannot give birth to spirit. Only spirit can give birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and the flesh's end is death. So we have to become spiritually born again in the spirit so that image of God can be restored in each one of us. You see, where unsaved people have no choice but to follow their sinful desires, we have a choice, and not only the choice, but the power to follow God's leadings. And not only the power and the choice, but we have the want to want to do it. We have the desire to want to follow after God. Not just a grudging thing like, oh, I got to go follow God today. It's a rejoicing thing. It's not a, I got to do it. It's, I get to do it. Amen. The practical side of this is given in the second half of verse 13. The freedom that the freedom does not mean 
do as thou wilt. That's a direct quote, by the way, from this commandment Bible. It says that all their, their chief, uh, all their laws and so-called commandments all boil down to do as thou wilt. That's also in the Bible where it says in the end of Judges that every man did as he saw fit. So the Satanic Bible copied that and said, yeah, just do as thou wilt. Whatever makes you happy is, is, good, is good in Satan's eyes. And the freedom that the world gives you is all about fulfilling selfish desires, saying, I want that. Whether that is a person, whether that is a possession, whether that is power, whether it's money, prestige, fame, it's all about putting yourself up or putting yourself up there in front of everybody and putting yourself first. God's idea of freedom, though, is that love and freedom serves. Through agape love, you serve one another. And if you want the, the secret to an everlasting joy in your life, can I just take the word joy and make it into an acronym for you? Jesus, others, you. If you may have a decision to make or somebody bothers you, just ask, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Would Jesus just shake this off or would he retaliate? Others, you know, am I, am I here, am I helping out somebody else at work? Maybe. Because of Jesus, I'm going to help out somebody else at work. I'm going to be there for them. Even if they turn around in the lunchroom and say, yeah, I'm not going to go sit with that Jesus freak. But, you know, when nobody else is in the lunchroom, they're sitting next to you talking about everything that's going wrong in their lives because they want advice. But even if they despitefully, you know, cast you out the next break, still love them. And then you can get to worry about yourself. So if you worry about what Jesus desires and wants, worry about what others desire and want, you know, and, and how to serve them, then you will be happy. That's a secret of joy. And you know, in str your strength, this is impossible. It's utterly and completely impossible not to put these kind of expectations on people. And that's why we strongly encourage people to live by the Spirit. Verses 16 through 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under law. You know, Jesus didn't just ascend to heaven, look down and say, hey guys, good luck with living for God. I'm out of here. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father. I'm out of here. Hey, have fun with you know, living your lives for me. He didn't do that. He, he gave them specific instructions and said, I don't want you to do anything for the next 10 days. Nothing except go and pray and wait. That's all I want you to do. I want you to pray. Because something was coming that was going to enable him to live for Jesus, to enable all the disciples to live for Jesus. What Jesus was saying, look, you can't live for me. You can't do it based off your own effort. You can't do it based off your own sense of self-discipline. You can't do it 
Because everything in this world is programmed to draw you away from me. Everything even in your body is often just draws you to things that are going to make your your flesh and your soul happy, but they're not going to be fulfilling to God. Your whole of life is programmed to draw you away from me. So look, you need something else. And let me tell you what you need. You need me. You need me through the Holy Spirit to take up residence in you. Because you know what? I am really good at doing what I want to do. You see, there's no struggle to do what God wants to do if you are just simply surrendered to Jesus, is there? He's really good at being God. He's really good at doing what God wants. So instead of insisting on codes of behavior for members of this church family, let's just encourage them and point them to Jesus instead. Because you know what? When people get to where they need to be in Jesus Christ, all that other stuff figures itself out. It all just takes care of itself. You don't have to worry about insisting on certain um, behavioral standards because it's just going to fall in place. It's the difference in a shepherd's route of, of grabbing them with the hook end or just giving them a gentle tap. Say, hey, you know, it's not really Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Because you'll have that submissive heart there that will take that kind of, that kind of just a small tap in, a, in the right direction and go there without getting offended. Tammy, if you and Jennifer could come back up. What Jesus is saying is that if you willingly die to yourself, if you willingly die to your desires, die to your plans, die to your rights, we are so worried about our rights in this country. And you know what? Even put your future in my hands. Just give me everything. Just give me everything and I will take it. And I will take and impart myself into you. And you will be a perfect representation of me. Because as I said, Jesus is really good at being Jesus. We're not so good at it. But once we surrender to him and let him infill us through the Holy Spirit, we get to be Jesus to this community. We will then live in the freedom of allowing Jesus to be Jesus. And all we have to do is get out of the way. As they start to, as Jennifer starts to play there, let's just close her eyes for a moment. And I want to ask you, is there something that you need freedom from? Maybe you don't even know Jesus. Maybe all of this is, is completely a foreign language to you. I would just encourage you, it's as simple as ABC. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus that he took your sins away. Confess that he is your Lord and Savior. And then live for him. It's that easy. It's almost too easy for the human brain to comprehend. But if there is something that you need freedom from today, Christ is here to set you free. We want to be people filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to be people that are so endowed with the Spirit of God that His light is the only light that is shining through us that people see. 
So Father, I ask that you begin to move in people's hearts as we go back into a time of worship that you will help people surrender more and more of themselves to you. Father, just begin to move in our midst that we may be people of your spirit this morning. Um, just to go back to that beginning story that he told about the woman who, who got saved and then she started having struggles afterwards. And once everybody knew about it in the church, they sent her a letter telling her, because of what you're doing, we're letting you go from the membership. Guys, Jesus was relational. And he went to the awfulest parts of the earth to minister and to show love and give them a chance to come to know him. If he can do that, we need to be a little bit less hard. If we know that somebody's struggling, then somebody should be appointed who's going, who has gone through that and recovered and come alongside them and pray with them, befriend them, be there for them when they call, when they're messed up, when they need a ride because they can't drive or whatever the case may be. I don't know about everybody here, but until I was 26 years old, I did pretty much anything and everything. And it took a year after I got saved to, to even have the urge to quit smoking. I quit drinking right away, but stuff takes time. And the thing is, is when you have people who will come to know the Lord, we are to come alongside them and help them to get to the point where they can resist what the family is saying or everybody else that's not saved in their lives because that's such an attack. And if we push them down when they're down, they're never going to come back. They're gonna, never going to understand that even though you stumble, you can get back up again and you can keep going and you can be even stronger for the Lord. I don't know, it just really touched my heart that we can't just give up that quickly on people. You know, there's a way to do things, and I get that with church, church leadership and what they do. But before we ever get to that point, we should make every effort to love on them, guide them, pray for them, be there for them. We're a family. Jesus was relational. We have to start being not so, oh, they're messing up. We've got to kick them out. We, we, this world, everybody is getting more and more messed up. Children have the awfulest lives. We think we had it bad. It's even worse now. And if they come into a situation and they're struggling, they're going to have layers and layers of stuff that has to come off them. And each one of us can be appointed to help with some layer in their life. I know there are people that have probably been saved their entire life. You get to be there and be the prayer warrior. You know what I mean? If you struggle with drinking, you're going to understand where they're coming from and the shame they feel knowing that they have stumbled after they got saved, knowing it's not the right way to be, but kind of get stuck in that mode. It's hard to get out. We have to be there to help them get unstuck. All right? So I just, I don't want to be that church. 
I agree that there's holiness and righteousness and being set apart to show the love of Jesus. But let's not get so set apart that we forget to bring the people with us who are struggling and hurting, the people that Jesus ministered to the most. All right? I'm sorry. I know that sounded preachy, but I just... It's my heart, guys. I'm a relational person, and we all need to be for each other. For each other and for anyone who we minister to outside the church or as they come in, okay? I just feel that that's what is going to make this church be a very healthy church. And a lot of what this is isn't isn't uh, saying that this church has been like that or is no. like that, but it is saying that, no, just that example, this, is where, this is where we want to go as a church because, especially in the, in the example of alcoholism, it's, it's rampant in this community, in this county. It's extremely rampant. And this is a hospital. Yeah. And in a hospital, people are sick, but it is our job as... Saints of the living God and his representative and ambassadors to this community is help bring him to Jesus. Let Jesus clean him up in his timing. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you will help this message just penetrate our hearts, Father. Give us grace. Give us grace. And give us you, Jesus. Allow us to just get out of the way and let you speak through us. Take our hands, Lord, and let them be used to bring healing to people. Give us words to say, Father, prophetic words even, that will um, penetrate people, that will touch them right at their point of need. Let us have a heart of love. Hi, Pastor John here. I hope and pray that you are blessed by listening to the Word of God being preached today at Whitehall Assembly of God in beautiful Whitehall, Wisconsin. If you'd like more information about us, you can go to our website at www.whitehallassembly.org. Or if you have a question about the sermon, you can email me at pastorjohnoscar at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and God richly bless you as you continue to grow and serve Him.